Nelson Mandela said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can change the world. Benjamin Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Here we will focus on the two whys of the company, financial freedom and individual growth. Welcome to the Empower Podcast. Okay, welcome to the Empower Podcast. We are so stoked to have Dave Jackson on today. Just quick background on Dave is uh, he's a local. He grew up in Provo. He went to BYU, uh, studied finance, and then after studying finance, uh, got into real estate and became an agent and has been doing that since. Interesting fact about Dave is he's created, he's gone from zero to 100K of annual passive income in less than a year. He started doing real estate in his personal life with investing last December. It's October right now. So I've, I've never met anybody like that. I think that's pretty freaking phenomenal. And so we're excited to get into, he uh, also Edge Homes, he works for Edge Homes and there's some opportunities there. So today on the podcast, we'll, we'll get into some Edge opportunities. We'll get into his own investing and talk about how he went from zero to 100K. So Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, so a couple things. You're you're from Provo, went to BYU, studied finance, and then, you know, got off that route and got into real estate. So how did that happen? Yeah, I think I kind of always wanted to get into real estate. I the reason I studied finance was just because um, I felt like that was a good background, and but I always kind of wanted to be an investor, invest in real estate, and the reason why is because. I had a few friends that I grew up with whose dads invested in real estate and maybe I'm too dumb to do anything else, but I felt like it was kind of more of like a surefire way to, to gain wealth. The, so. Even then finance. Cause I mean, you went to BYU, studied finance, like that was a probably pretty sure road. Yeah. Um, I never really wanted to go the whole corporate route. I always liked the idea of just growing something. So I looked into like franchising things and I just like the idea. And for some reason in my mind, it just makes sense that you acquire something and then you get two of them and then you get three of them and eventually you'll have 30, 40, 50 of them. And yeah. And so I've just kind of always liked that. Just kind of like the get rich slow uh, strategy. Yeah. So it, it's not sexy, but it's definitely what works. Right. And it's probably the surest way is just single family or it seems like a lot of the real estate that uh, isn't sexy, like the get rich slow over time is what a lot of people sleep on and overlook. Yeah. And, but it's, it's the most sure. And as I look across my network, people that have been very successful, a lot of them have gone that route. Yeah. But it's not as attractive, I think, for a lot of people. I think because we're so used to things now. Yeah. And we want to see stuff now. But as we will get into some of the opportunities, you've run pro formas over 20 years and it's like, holy crap. Yeah. This is for sure a great way to invest. Totally. So was there a moment that um, you had where you're, you're at BYU or shortly after just graduated in finance that was a big decision where you're like, hold on, I'm going to, I'm going to get off the off ramp here. And, or did it just kind of happen naturally? I think it just kind of happened naturally. I, I, like I said, I just had those friends whose dads were in real estate and I just kind of grew up around that. You know, I, I've, I sat down with them a few times and they kind of men mentored me and taught me kind of how to do it a little bit. And so I always thought that I would go that route. Yeah. But I thought that finance at BYU was a good way to um, kind of learn the ins and outs of the numbers and kind of get comfortable that way. Cool. So I think let's, let's jump into Edge Homes. Tell us about Edge Homes. Who are they? What do they do? Just give us a good background on them. Yeah, so Edge Homes is a local builder. We're one of the only builders in the country where a local builder is the biggest builder in the state. So that's kind of interesting. A lot of other states, um, you have like the big like DR Hortons, Lennars, where they're the biggest builder. But um, Edge is really big in Utah. Um, we'll do about 1,500 homes this year, and okay. we'll do about 2,200, 2,300 homes next year. So. We have um, kind of all different product types. We have uh, condos, townhomes, single-family homes. So um, our whole kind of strategy is to kind of have something for everyone. Yeah. So you're mid-300s up to over a million. And uh, where are the, like, the million-dollar properties? Where are some of those neighborhoods? So uh, we actually just closed out a community in Draper. Um, it's like Suncrest area. Yeah. 
Um, so we had some up there and then you can get to a million in like Eagle Mountain, Saratoga Springs now too, which is really? crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is it because of the size of the home? Cause I, the lots are more affordable there, right? Yeah. Lots and homes are more affordable there, but you know, if you do 5,000 square feet, you're seven to 800 and then with upgrades, you can be over a million. So what are you typically seeing right now for a new build, single family home? What amount per square foot? So you're right around 200 square foot, just okay. over 200 square foot on single family. Okay. Yeah. Our average purchase price at Edge is just over 500K. So, okay. yeah. And that's factoring in townhomes, condos, everything. Mm -hmm. What about, uh, um, tell us the difference, actually. Let's get into a little bit more about Edge, but also walk us through the difference between a townhome and a condo. Yeah, so a condo is... Um, each unit is on one level. So it's a three bed, two bath, the units on one level, and then you have, it's three levels high. So you have a main level, a second level, and a third level condo. And the garages are all on the main level. And then uh, you have access into the condo through the garage on the main level. And then on the second and third levels, you, you go out and walk up the stairs. So it's kind of, people think of a condo kind of as a, like an apartment, but it's, I would say it's like, a glorified apartment, you know, it's nicer than an apartment, but yeah. And then a townhome, you'll have, you know, we'll have three, four, five, or six townhomes in a building and they're all three levels. So you have a base, an unfinished basement, a main level, usually where like the kitchen and living room area is. And then the bedrooms are usually upstairs. Okay. So uh, is one more popular? Are you doing a lot more townhomes and condos or is it pretty even? Uh, it's pretty even, honestly. Um, maybe like right now, probably more townhomes. Okay. It, it's crazy right now in Utah. I feel like townhome is kind of the starter home now, you know, is so a lot of people are buying townhomes just as like a starter home. And then we have a lot of investors jumping on these things as well. Which that's a big shift, right? Because Utah's probably considered a more rural state than back East or different areas. Yeah. But we're getting to the point where it, it's getting full. Yeah and lands limited and yeah and that's what's interesting to me about the utah market is you have a valley two valleys that are surrounded by 360 degrees of mountains and you can only build so much till you're going to run out of space where you go to like a phoenix or a dallas or houston you can just keep going out and out and out and out right totally texas you can just buy the next farm over or yeah. whatever and develop yeah that that's not not the same here i actually had a um, family that I met with recently from, uh, San Francisco and they sat their kids down they said, so back like 20 years ago, they just started buying up properties in San Francisco. Wow. And I'm sure there's really well off. There. Yeah. Yeah. It set yeah. them up for life. And so they sat all their kids down. They say, they said, we see the exact same thing happening here in Utah. Crazy. And they're like, you guys should just buy up as much land as you can in Utah. And so, um, and they're actually helping their kids with their down payment payment, which is nice. But, uh, yeah, their kids are just trying to buy up as much as they can because I, I foresee the next 20, 30 years is going to be crazy in Utah. Yeah, cool. Well, Edge, they were acquired a couple of years ago. Is that right? So we sold 33% uh, of our company to a Japanese company called Sumi, Sumitomo. Okay. It's a Japanese public company. And so it's kind of business as usual. They, you know... Um, kind of managed from afar and we have some, some people in our office who are from Sumitomo, but, um, yeah. Okay, cool. So one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Dave on, wanted to bring him on for two reasons. One was to talk about some investment opportunities with edge. The second was just to hear about his story on his personal investing. Um, as far as the edge opportunities, I've done three of these and they're haven't, they're not done yet, but they're being built. Right but I just have some close friends. And I think there's even some people that have worked for us uh, that have got some of these under contract by the time they're built, they're worth a lot more than, you know, what they got under contract at that point, they could either hold on to them and sell them down the road or just put tenants in them and rent them and then get that appreciation over time. Uh, but Dwayne talked about this opportunity earlier and that's how I got connected with you. Dave was, was Dwayne uh, Richens that we had on the podcast. And so Talk to us about some of the opportunities you see that uh, exist with Edge right now. Yeah, one of the unique things about Edge, and you may have seen this on the news, is um, some builders are actually, um, you know, you go under contract, and then 
if the market's gone up by 100K and price of lumber or whatever's gone up, builders have something in their contract that says if lumber goes up by 10%, we can raise your purchase price by sure. 10%. Yeah. And so Edge doesn't have, we don't have anything in our contract where we can cancel your contract or raise your price due to prices going up or lumber going up. So um, a lot of people will buy these properties and they buy them at, uh, you know, the markets over the past 20 years in Utah has gone up about 4.8%. Okay. And so, you know, you go under contract now and it, it's about a nine to 10 month build time. And by the time people have been closing, they have significant equity in their home. In fact, they oftentimes they have a lot more equity than what Edge is even making building the home. So um, that's what a lot of people have done. And also I should note too that, you know, if the market goes up 4.8% per year, that means rental prices go up 4.8% per year typically yeah, as well. Sure. So, so is there a certain area that, cause Edge is doing how many developments in Salt Lake, Utah County? So yeah, we're mostly North Utah County to South Salt Lake County. Um, I want to say we have 10, 11 yeah, communities going on right now. Yeah. They're mostly on the west side from Vineyard to like Harriman. Okay. Um, but uh, right now we have townhomes and condos in Lehigh. So they're, um, they're just west of like all of like Silicon Slopes. You're probably six minutes from like Thanksgiving Point. You're about five minutes north of Saratoga Springs. And then we have a new community up in Harriman that's um, where we're doing townhomes and you're just south of that new mall that went, just went in on 30, 134th. Yeah. So, okay. What do you, what do you see as like the next hot spot in Utah? Oh, actually Eagle Mountain's going crazy right now. And it's really? crazy that I'm even saying that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Eagle Mountain is wild. I mean, it's like what we were just talking about, right? It's land is really scarce and the only places to go are going to be like an Eagle Mountain or like a, like even like a Santa Quinn, you know, down south around the lake. And then, um, you know, West, Sar or, yeah, West Saratoga Springs and Eagle, in the Eagle Mountain. So do you think those are good potential buys? Those, I've actually had quite a few investors buy those just to capture appreciation. Yeah. In fact, Saratoga Springs and Eagle Mountain have appreciated more than any of our other communities over the past year. Yeah. Um, it makes sense though, because they've been lower priced. Yep. So you're trying to catch them before everything else jumps like Lehigh already has or Harriman or wherever, right? Yeah. And I think the, um, the like stigma is changing too, right? Like there used to be like people were just like, I'm not going out to Saratoga Springs or yeah, I'm not going to. Sure. And now it's completely normal to live in Saratoga Springs and it's super desirable Dude, to they live have there. everything out they there. Have everything. Got yeah, a Costco. I mean, I haven't been to Eagle Mountain, but Saratoga, yeah, Costco. Yeah. They what's the nice grocery store? Is it Smith's or yeah. Harmon's or something out there? It's huge. Uh, a lot of good food. I know they have uh, Seven Brothers out there. Mm -hmm. We've driven out there to go eat. So, yeah, I mean, last time I went out there, I'm like, they have everything. Yeah. So it's not really inconvenience anymore, other than probably getting to the freeway. Yeah. Yeah, well, that new um, Pioneer Crossing's done a lot for it, too, I think. Sure. So that makes freeway access and access from East Utah County a lot easier. So let's let's dive into some of these. So I the reason why I think this is impactful is, is uh, everybody's looking to invest their money and get into real estate. And I try to always be super transparent and provide visibility to what I'm doing in my personal investing life, just because people want to know and they're curious. And so the, the play in my opinion with these, and we've spoke about this, Dave, is it is more of appreciation play. You're not going to be cash flowing a ton off these properties, but Utah is appreciating has been so fast. One of the fastest, always number one or number two fastest growing markets. So, what do you think about that appreciation cash flow? What what are some of the numbers you're seeing on one of these townhomes or condos? Yeah, so um, typically in states that are more desirable, you're going to have there there's something called a cap rate, and that's how people determine the value of real estate a lot yeah. of times. So it's net income over um, purchase price, and so um, typically in Utah, cap rates are lower, meaning it's harder to cash flow on them 
uh, because Utah is a very desirable state to live in. You can get higher cap rates like in the Midwest or in the Southeast where, you know, if it's a state that's a little bit less desirable, I guess. Um, But you also don't get the appreciation as much in those states. Sure. So there's kind of like a give and take there. Yeah. What is the cap rate you're seeing on the pro forma? So on the edge stuff, like on an edge townhome, you're about a five cap. Okay. So And that's probably the highest you'll see. In, in Utah. Totally. I mean, like, unless even, you find a killer deal or you're doing some rehab or stuff like that, at least that's what I'm seeing. Same on commercial side. Yeah. Cause I, I've been looking at commercial properties. It's about a five. Yeah. Five is a good deal in Utah. Yeah. A good deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's commercial like four or less than four even. Sure. So, I've seen some three fives. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, you know, I think at a five cap and for also like the edge stuff is kind of a, low maintenance maintenance deal, yeah. you know, where, you know, someone, if summer salespeople are out for all of summer, they're not going to want something that's like older or that they're going to have to rehab because it's just a lot of work, a lot of strategies involved. Yeah. And so, um, these townhomes are good for an investor who is wanting to have some cash flow, um, appreciation's great on them and kind of a low maintenance investment. I mean, literally maintenance, uh, in the first like five to seven years is like literally easier on these things. Sure. So and that's, we've had a, do you know Tyler Bennett? I know. No, I don't. Okay. We've had Tyler Bennett on the podcast and that's why they specialize on new construction is because they want to make sure your first five to 10 years, you're not messing with all this other, other things. And that's why I've gone out of state on some single families is to get more cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I realize I won't have the same appreciation, but it's good to be diversified in my opinion and that's the play with Utah is you know you're probably going to be pretty strong with appreciation, yeah. but it's not going to cash flow like you could get out of state. And so it might be good to have both if you want to diversify it. It's up to, you know, it's so interesting when we talk with different people in the company, some are really pro Utah yeah, and some are very pro outside of Utah. And I, I kind of think it's good to be in both. Yeah, totally. Diversify a little bit. So that's what I do. Uh, back to your pro forma, what are you seeing on cash flow then? Like give, run us through an example of, you know, a community you'd say, I think this is a good option. This is probably going to be the purchase price. Here's what rents are probably going to be, yeah. which puts you at this cap rate. And then you're saying it's been a 4.8 appreciation on a value year over year. Year over year. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the common mistakes people make in investing is that they look at the year one cash flow and they're like, oh my gosh, that's not sexy, right? Yeah, exactly. But if you look at it, five, 10 years down the road as real estate appreciates, appreciates, so does, um, rent, rent prices. And so like last year, these townhomes were renting for about 1800 to 2000. Okay. And this year they're renting for 24 to 2600. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So insane. Yeah. I mean, you're, you just gone up about 400 bucks a month and, um, so anyway, but so, so as a purchase price, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, the the cool thing about real estate is people always talk about it as being a hedge against inflation. And uh, as we all know, inflation's crazy right now, like highest in history. And so you buy at a certain price and right now you're like mid 400s, 450, 460. But uh, your price stays the same and your payment stays the same, but then rental prices continue to go up. So year one cash flow on these ones, you're about 400 bucks a month, four, four to 500 bucks a month, depending on how much you put down and credit score and whatnot. Okay. But, you know, in 10 years, I mean, I can, I can pull this up, but. Yeah. Let's, let's go through it. Let's give some numbers here. Yeah. So, um, you know, if the market continues to appreciate at four, 4.8% per year over the next 20 years, which I, I think it's reasonable to assume that it will. You're about 1.2 million for each of these townhomes in 10 years. Yeah, it's hard to. It's, I thought you were saying in 20. Or sorry, did I say 10? It yeah. is 20. Okay, 20, 20 years. Sorry. 20 years. So 20 you're going years. from a purchase price of what? So you're 460. 460 to 1. 1.187. That is so nuts. So I mean, yeah, you figure two two of those. Yeah. 20 years, and you have a million in equity. Yeah. from the purchase price, but you're going to be paying down the principal probably as well. Yeah. 
Uh, at in 20 years, you'd you'd have a loan to value ratio of about 14 percent. So, paid off about 86 percent of your property. Wow. Yeah. I mean, in it, if you're doing well, making good money, got aggressive, paid off the loan on both of those. Yeah. Over you know a 10 year period, maybe five year period, if you're doing solar. I mean, that's retirement. Yeah. That's over two million dollars sitting there in equity. That's insane. Yeah. Crazy. And it, it, again, it's not sexy at first, right? Right. But this is something that just compounds and compounds and compounds and set it and forget it. And uh, if you don't have to be doing a lot because it's new construction in your first five, seven, 10 years, yeah. maybe have some little bit more projects. Maybe you're doing some carpet or some HVAC or I don't know in the second group of 10 years. But uh, most properties, if you're holding on to them for 20 years, you're going to have to be doing some stuff. Yeah. What do you typically see? Are you forecasting that second group of 10 years in, in terms of maintenance. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's mostly aesthetic stuff. So in the, with the townhomes, the HOA covers an exterior, uh, an insurance policy on the exterior. Yeah. So it's just walls in. So, you know, if you have, you know, you know, if the walls are beat up or yeah, like you said, carpet, what I typically see with the investors I work with is they try to have as much hard surface as possible. So like in the living room, yeah. instead of doing More carpet, tile, yeah, linoleum, whatever. Yep. Yeah. LVP, laminate. Yeah. So, you know, you may, uh, replace countertops. Um, I don't know, fixing toilets maybe. So, but they're pretty low maintenance. Cool. So let's talk about, cause when we were talking before the podcast, it sounds like there's some really awesome options with getting qualified. Because that's usually our ref's biggest obstacle is they're making good money. Maybe they have a chunk of money set aside, but they don't have two years history. Mm -hmm. So the one nice thing with this is if you got under contract now, you wouldn't be financing it until next year. It's a nine month build out. Yeah. You're, you're about eight to 10 months. So that means as of right now, you'd, you'd get to file your taxes for this year before you're even closing. What, what is that kind of puts us at midsummer? Yeah. Yeah. You're June, July. The ones that we're selling this week are July. Okay. Yeah. So if you already have one year of tax returns, then you, you could file this year, then you're probably there. But you, you said that they're, they are going to do a 10% down for an investment property. Yeah. 10 and 15. So wow. we, we have a 10%. Well, it's not us. It's our preferred lender, First Colony Mortgage. And there's other lenders. I know MacU has one. Okay. Um, but on an investment property, on an investment which property. I've never heard of. I've never heard of anything below 20%. So that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. And then the interest rates are competitive. They're, they're a little higher, but yeah, they're competitive. I mean, it's, it's an attractive loan for sure. No mortgage insurance too. So typically if you're below 20% down, you have what's called mortgage insurance. And that's just kind of like another fee that you have because it's a higher risk loan. But, Give us an idea what mortgage insurance would be on a five hundred thousand dollar property. Oh man, this might be tough because I'm not I'm not like in the whole lending. Yeah. But um, you're probably one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks a month. Okay. So significant. Yeah. For sure. Dang, ten and fifteen percent options is crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a game changer. Your money goes twice as far. I mean, going to ten percent. If you had that chunk of money, you could get two properties instead of one. Yeah. Which, in your case, pro forma, twenty years. That's $2 million instead of $1 million. Totally. Nuts. Yeah. So there's four ways that you can make money in real estate, right? There's appreciation, there's depreciation, there's cash flow, and then there's debt payoff. So, you know, when you factor all that in at a five cap, you know, cash on cash, I think you're, um, and I'd have to look at it, but I think you're like 4% or something, but then you add on 4.8% appreciation, you add on the debt payoff. So someone's buying a property for you. Sure. You know? So yeah. It actually ends up being quite a bit higher return. Okay, so let's talk about uh, flipping it. If somebody, let's say in a year from now, the market's gone up a ton, maybe it's gone up 10 or 15% like it did last year. And they're like, hey, I got this under contract. I just want to sell it. What are the rules with the Edge? How soon can you sell the house? Yeah, so Edge has a, a thing in their contract. We Edge does not want to have to compete with their buyers. So like if every buyer closed on their property and then turned around and sold it, we would be competing on the market with our other buyers, right? So uh, Edge has a thing in their contract where we um, the buyer cannot sell it within the first year of ownership. Okay, so you'd have to at least own it for one year after you close, put a yeah. tenant in there, then you could sell it. 
Yeah, typically, like in the past, Edge hasn't been like really hard on that rule. But this past year, we've been really hard because a lot of people have tried to do it because people are literally closing with an average of over $100,000 equity in there. That is so crazy. Even condos. Yeah, condo. Yeah, That's condos. so nuts. I bought a condo last um, August. I went under contract on a condo at 260 and I closed in June at and prices were 360 hundred thousand dollars in like nine months. Insane. Yeah. I, I have never seen a time like this. Yeah. And especially on condos, like stuff that's two to 300 K usually doesn't move like that. I mean, you get, you see that on five to $700,000 house, not on two to $300,000 condo. Yeah. And that's a good point that you bring up too, because traditionally condos don't, they're not as volatile yeah. as like a condo or a townhome in a single family. Yeah. So like in a downturn, they won't drop as much, but in, um, in a, um, bull market, they won't increase as much, but man, I mean, but the market's moving. Yeah. The it's last moving. two years have just been nuts. Yeah. And it, what's crazy about this is, uh, one of our, our first couple reps, they got a property under contract. What is, what is the development off of 2100 North? Like the one North of it, the one I went and looked at is the one South of it is yeah. the one North edge. Yeah. North okay. point. North point. Yeah. This was like two and a half years ago. And I was like, dang, I missed it. I missed <laughs> the opportunity. I waited. Then somebody else that worked for us, I think did two of them and they made a hundred K I think on each of them. And I was like, dang, I missed that. Yeah. And then now I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm not waiting anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's Utah market long-term. It doesn't really matter what you buy it at. If you're long-term, then overall it's going to go up over 20 years. Totally. Totally. I, I feel bad for the buyers where their agent told them to hold off or to not buy because the, the price is too high. Yeah. I mean, I have people last year, our townhomes were $320,000 and agents were telling their buyers, Hey, hold off, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty high. And now you're 460. Dude, it's been like four or five years now that just about everybody I know says we're at the top, we're at the top, we're at the top, we're at the top. Like, don't do anything. It's like, dang, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, the fact of the matter is, even if you bought in 06, right yeah. before the downturn, which typically in economic downturns, real estate doesn't move that much. It just so happened in 08 that real estate was what caused it. Sure. But um, even if you bought top of the market 06, you're way ahead today, like yeah. way, way ahead. Yeah, so. it's, it's, a, it's a crazy time. Okay, let's get into your personal investing. This is so fascinating to me. You've gone from zero to 100K of passive income. So let's talk about how you did that because I'm sure everybody wants to replicate that. So how many doors do you have right now? So I have, um, I have a condo, a single-family home, and then a duplex, a 16plex, and then a mobile home park. It's actually mostly RV park, but it has some mobile homes in there as well. And then I'm closing on another uh, mobile home park uh, in about three weeks. So let's let's talk about the 20 doors you have besides the mobile home park for a second. So the condo, single family, duplex, and 16plex, those are all in Utah? Uh, yeah. Okay, and let's talk about, if you're okay with it, how much money you had to put down on each of these so we can get an idea of how much cash you had to have to acquire these 20 doors. Okay. So, um, my 16 plex was the first property I ever bought. And that was in December. That was in December. Yeah. Of 2020. Yeah. Okay. I learned some things about it. There's some pretty complex like tax strategies about what you can do, especially like if you're in, if you're in real estate, you can get a real estate professional designation on your taxes. And so I started doing some studying and I was like, I need to buy something this year. And the guy I was talking to was like, it just so happened that his aunt owned a 16 plex that she was trying to 1031 into a bigger property and it hadn't been managed very well. And, um, at the time it was making like $5,500 a month in gross, in gross income. Okay. And now it makes almost 10,000. So there was like 50% vacancy on it. And she what offered. What city is this in? This is in Vernal. Okay. Yeah, and she offered me. It was like fourteen point five percent down um, seller finance deal at two point nine nine percent. Wow. So it was like, you know, a no brainer. And I was For thinking, sure. 
I don't even care if I really cash flow on this just because I want the tax benefits. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll hold it a year and then sell it and I'll save, I was, I was going to save about $100,000 in taxes just by buying the property. And so I bought that. And then while I was under contract, I found out that they're doing a railroad out there and uh, like an oil, it's, Vernal's a big oil city. Sure. And so they're, it's kind of booming that way. And um, they're doing an oil pipeline and they're doing a railroad to transport more oil. And so things are just going crazy out there. So when I first bought it, rents were 550 a month. And now it's pretty easy to get 700, 750 a month. Wow. So that one's been a really good property. And I'll probably actually hold that on. I want to hold on to that for quite a while just because. I want to see what happens with the oil industry. And, and right now, there's no doors out there, right? For no, rent. It's hard. There's nothing. Yeah. And a lot of workers are coming in to work on the pipeline. And yeah. The, yeah. So, so that that's probably a great property to hold on to. So how much did you put down on that one? So that one was 150K down. It was okay. uh, it was 1.1 million purchase price. It's actually four fourplexes in a... Okay. Yeah. And uh, 150K down. So on that one, that's not 20%. Is that because you had a partner or? No, so that she offered, it was like. Oh, because it, it's seller financing. Yeah, seller finance and 150K on 1.1 million, I think it's like 14 point something percent. Yeah, down. that's the power of seller financing sometimes is you get those deals, right? Yeah, it's hard to find seller finance, but that's the other thing is I would say, you know, if you are 1099 and having a hard time getting a loan, you know, you can find, they're hard to find, honestly, yeah. the seller but, finance, but. But that's a great point. You shouldn't just stop and pause everything. Like just get out there and keep looking for deals. Yeah. And just tell your agent, look, the only thing I can get is seller financing. So let's just find something like that. Totally. Then the the bank doesn't really matter. So what about the duplex? How much did you put down? So the duplex was actually my personal residence. What happened was it was a single family home and I saw kind of an opportunity where I could make the basement an apartment. So I actually, this is crazy, but I did a, I did a basement entrance to the home myself. So I was back there with like a mini X, like wow. digging out. <laughs> and then did you have to do some foundation work, some concrete work, I'm guessing? Yeah. So I cut a door in the side of my house. Poured stairs. Poured stairs. It was, I would never do it again, honestly. Dude, that's insane. Today I'm glad I did it because that's it- That's ambitious. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was honestly- Naively uh, ambitious? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> At one point I had about a 12 foot by 18 foot hole in the back, in my backyard. And I was like, what have I done? I'm such an idiot, but it worked out. And there's a basement, uh, there's a basement apartment in there. I rent that out for about 1300 a month, okay. actually 1300 to the missionaries. Oh, cool. And then, um, we just moved out. And so we're renting out the top too. Was the basement finished? It was mostly finished. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had to do finish some of it. I actually sectioned off a part where I could keep some to myself, like a bedroom and a laundry room for myself. And then the rest is the apartment. Yeah. So. So that's a good house hack. If you're new to real estate and maybe you're looking for your first property, find something that has a basement that you can rent out in or an upstairs, right? You, maybe you want to live in the basement and be scrappy and rent out the upstairs or vice versa. The other thing in California or Florida, you don't see basements, but you see a lot of casitas, and I, I've just stayed and rented these while I've been out there visiting with teams or leadership is, you know, I'll, I'll rent one room that's a side, it's detached, or it's maybe it's even attached, but it's sectioned off. Yeah. And so just something like that can create an awesome opportunity where you can use that to pay your mortgage or pay part of it, right? Yeah, and my mortgage on that was 1675 and I rented out my basement for 1300 bucks. Yeah, so, so you're, you're pretty much there. That's insane. Less than 400 bucks. Somebody else is paying down your your mortgage for you. So what do you think rough guess you put down on that property total? Oh, I think I can let's see. Um I think I put 80k down. Okay. But that so that's something to note too because that was a personal residence. So on a personal residence, you can put as Three percent, yeah, three percent, five percent. Sure. So I so you put up, more than you probably needed to there. What I did was I knew that I was going to renovate it, and I knew that after I renovated it, the the value was going to shoot up and because then you could refi. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, what I did, I think I did five or ten percent down, and then so I think I actually was only in it like thirty thousand dollars or something, and then um, I put I think the the basement apartment total was like forty eight thousand. 
total. But then it appraised, and when I appraised, I had 20% equity. And so it, I guess 30 plus 48, so you're about 80K into it. But um, I didn't have to bring any more in when I refied. That's awesome. So Cool. And then the single family, how much did you put down? So the single family is a little bit unique. Uh, okay, so going back to buying things as an investment property and, and tax strategy and whatnot, um, I bought that for myself. It's a home, it's a lot in Orem. It's a big lot and I really wanted it for my for Is me. this like the forever house type thing? Yeah. So this is where you moved after the duplex? So the the duplex, my, my parents got called on a mission and so I'm actually, ha- I'm house sitting for them. Yeah. And so that, I'm really not, I don't have like a home right now type okay. thing. Yeah, which is kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> I guess I'm homeless. <laughs> but you're, you're doing great. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So that one, I bought it. Um, it was like a 0.86 acre lot, really big lot. And it had kind of like an older home on it. And so I'm renting out that home and I'll probably build in the next like five years. Okay. So. And you're renting out, you said your parents' home or? So or yeah, I'm the living, one. I'm renting out the Orem one. That, okay. That's the one I want to build on, but I'm just going to sit on it for three to five years. So it has a house on it yeah. already, but you're going to build another house? Yeah, I'm going to okay. tear. Section I'm gonna, off the, the lot? No, I'm just going to tear that old house down. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so that one's not, I honestly, it was more like a personal home. I'm, I am renting it out, but there's some really cool stuff you can do with depreciation. And that's why I bought it as an investment property. Plus I had to because I'm renting it out. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. And then your condo, what did you put down? Condo, I actually got $2,000 back on, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Walk it, walk us through this scenario because maybe somebody else runs into the same opportunity and they could do this. Yeah. So what I did, I think we talked about it earlier, but I went under contract at 260. Okay. Um, when I closed on the property, it was worth about 360. Okay. And what I did is I'm an employee of edge and it's an edge property. And so because I'm an employee, I have, I can't get a, like a traditional loan. So I had to do a bridge loan and then I had to refi after, which is kind of, kind of weird. But so when I did the bridge loan, um, they appraised it and it was worth 360. So I had that hundred thousand dollars and, and then so I don't know how it worked. They ended up like calling me. It went all the way up to like the CEO of the company where they were like, not sure if they were going to do it for me. I don't know. Of the all mortgage the company. Yeah. Okay. It was first colony mortgage. And they basically called me. They're like, Hey, you just got like the deal of the century, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know all the ins and outs of how it all worked out, but basically they were able to use the equity, um, in the home as my down payment. And so, um, I ended up getting like $2,000 back at closing. Zero down. Actually, (laughs) the the opposite too. You got a little bit back. Yeah, no MI. Yeah. But I know people that have got bridged loans and done something similar. So if you do run into a situation where there is a lot of appreciation before you close, sometimes you can get creative and there's other opportunities. And that's what's cool about real estate is sometimes you just don't know until you get into a deal what's what's there. I should note too, yeah, the other, and going along with that is, the cool thing about real estate is you can use your wits to add value, right? Like if I put money in the stock market, I have no control over what that stock does. Yeah. But in real estate, you can be, you know, kind of scrappy. Definitely. You know, be strategic about it and you can really provide a ton of value. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I, I love landscaping. That's my thing is I love to design it. I yeah. feel like it's very entrepreneurial to create something and then, and envision it and then actually do it. Right. And so on our first house, I did the basement. I did everything myself, uh, besides sheetrock. So framed it, uh, did electrical, did the insulation. We did tile work. We, I mean, we paint Wow. everything, right. But it was fun to create something, draw it out on plans, both the yard and, uh, the basement. But because of that, we did, we made sure it was really current with style and different things and it made the house go up a lot Yeah. and then did the same thing on, on our current house. Uh, I did the yard this time. I hired out a a lot of the basement stuff, but I designed everything Yeah. because again, you want to be part of that. And if you can, I think if you can make it current and you know, it's popular and, or in style, it's going to have a higher resale value. 
And so that's the fun part about being involved in real estate versus stocks is it can be hands-on for good or for bad, right? When you had that excavator in the backyard and dig hole, <laughs> you're like, that's probably not the best feeling, but it worked out. Yeah. I'm kind of, of a do-it-yourselfer as yeah, well. You can get overwhelmed in projects sometimes. Totally. You it was ambitious. Off more than you can do. And, and that's like, like this time why I'm like, man, I'm hiring out the basement. It's my time is worth a lot. Yeah. And like everybody's is. And I was like, you know what? They're an expert. They can do this so much faster than I can. Totally. And I think I've done a lot of projects where it actually costed more by me doing it than just hiring it out. So I'm like, you got to pick and choose what you should be hiring out. But, but you did learn a ton, I'm sure. For I'm, sure. You learned how to do things. And, yeah. And, you know, maybe on your first property or first few properties, you have to do it yourself. You yeah, know? But, totally. And a big part for me was my father-in-law was helping me with my basement the first time. So a lot of it was just spending time with him. Cool. Um, but yeah, so good opportunities though. So let's talk about, so it looks like on the condo zero down, single family, you put some down, duplex 80 grand, 16 plus 150. So for maybe 500K-ish, Yeah. you y- got those 20 doors? Yeah, well, my... My, that single family home, just the way I had to do it because I had to buy it. It's a personal residence in the future, but I had to buy it, um, investment. And so I, I'm like two, that one was like 200,000. Yeah. And I'm really like just breaking even on that property too. It's, it's like I said, it's, that one's not really, I didn't buy it as an investment sure. really. I just bought it cause I wanted it. But that's also the reason why I think that's cool is I think if anybody's going to acquire 20 doors, you're probably going to have one of those in there somewhere that you really want to live where you're looking at it. Like, yeah. This is my forever home or this is the lot I want or whatever. So totally. that's what I love about your scenario is very realistic for anybody. And, you know, you might spend a little bit more on that personal home or yeah. lot, right? So, well, and the other thing too to know is the other properties are paying for that, right? Totally. Like, you're using the cash flow or the appreciation or whatever to help fund that. Yeah. yeah. And have it all pencil out. Right. So if you're 200K on the single family, 80K on the duplex, 16, on the 150 on the 16 plex, then yeah, you're at just under 500K, about 480, right? Yeah. Well, 350 plus, so you're actually, my bad, you're 530. 530. So a little over half a million, but you got 20 doors. So you yeah. let those 20 doors ride for, like you said, 10, 20 years. Have you ran a pro forma with your whole portfolio to see what that's going to look like? Um, I, I just kind of have it. Uh, well, I have a bookkeeper who okay. does all that, but they're all individual. Yeah. So I, I, you really, you want to keep everything separate. For sure. So how I structure it is I have a series LLC in Utah. You can do what's called a series LLC and you can own, you can have one LLC and then you can own a bunch of different property in what's called series. And they all act as their own LLCs, their own entities. And so, um, that's kind of how I have everything structured. Like even my like 16 plex, it's four, four plexes and I own them each separately in a series. Four plexes. Yeah. Yeah. So for liability reasons and financial reasons. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want everything owned. Like if you were to look at my personal, like what I actually own, it's just like my personal bank account. Yeah. You know, everything else is owned by an LLC. Yeah. And you want that. Very clean for sure. You want that. Cool. Let's talk about the mobile homes for a minute. How did you get into that? Because I, I, I know nothing about <laughs> mobile homes, but I want to. I think it'd be so awesome to get into that space. Yeah. So um, I've always actually, it sounds dumb, but I've always kind of been interested in it because there's a neighbor of mine. He's not really a neighbor. He's someone who lives close to my parents' house and I kind of grew up around him. And he's like, he owns like in 2015, he owned 16,000 pads. 16,000? 16,000. So if he raised his rent per pad by $1 a month, he would make an extra $16,000 a month. What? That's yeah. insane. And that was in 2015. And so he, that's kind of what he's done in his life, right? He's just kept acquiring and acquiring and that was kind of his niche. Yeah. And so um, when I kind of set out, I looked at different um, asset classes and um, I wanted something that was very passive and that I could scale quickly. And so um, I looked at industrial. I actually really like industrial. 
the cap rates are really low on industrial, but they're like no maintenance. You have triple net leases, which is really nice. And then I looked at storage. Um, and then I looked at mobile home. Okay. And the reason why, um, I kind of settled on mobile home was because there's less competition in the asset class and it's not sexy too. Like I think a lot of people love the idea of self storage and, um, there's also like in industrial, there's big in institutional buyers who get into industrial. Sure. And so you're and that's what drives the cap rates down. Yeah. What type of cap rates were you seeing? Like threes, fours or what? On in industrial industrial. Yeah. You're like three to, I mean, if you can get six, that's, Awesome. And, and obviously it depends on the area and what you're buying. What were you seeing on storage? Uh, storage, you're like five to, I mean, if you can get, you're like five to six. Okay. What a, What are you seeing on mobile homes? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, the first one I bought was like an 11 cap. What? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, what about the one you're closing on in three weeks? That one's about a 12 cap. Dang. Yeah. Insane. But like I say that, Deals are still hard to find. Yeah. And I spend a good amount of time every week searching, searching. for deals, hustling. How much time do you spend a week? Mm, probably at least five hours. Okay. And that's just looking for deals. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of like what Warren Buffett said, like with investing, you don't have to, it's like he, he used an analogy with baseball, right? You don't have to swing at every pitch in baseball. Sure. You only have, you know, you have three strikes, Yeah. but you can just watch balls go by. And when you find a, a perfect pitch, you can, you can just go for it. What did you have to put down on that first mobile home uh, park? So that, you so said that's 34 pads. It, no, the first one is, um, 82 pads. 82. Okay. Yeah. It's 62 RV long-term RV and it's 20. Uh, mobile home. Um, that one I own with my brother and my brother's brother-in-law. Okay. And um, it's uh, we put a hundred and eighty thousand down total or each total. Okay. Yeah, one point three million purchase price. And what what was that cash flowing at the time? Hundred and eighty down. At the time, it was about three thousand a month. Okay. Yeah. But there was vacancy. A lot of these mobile home parks, um, there's a lot of vacancy. Um, where Most of the mobile home parks were built in like the 1960s, 1970s. In fact, if you were to try to develop one now, you couldn't. Really? No one the Regulations would, are pretty tight because yeah. cities don't want them coming in and stuff. Right. So yeah. they're, yeah. So, um, so pretty much I would guess that if you're buying a mobile home park, the play has to be some rehab and some work. Yeah. To get the, the vacancies down. Yeah. Yeah. Because what, what happens is there's all these older mom and pa owners and they just get tired. And that's another thing that I should mention too about real estate is I would say high majority of people who own real estate, uh, from what I've seen, uh, don't manage it well. Mm. And that's a huge opportunity, right? Because if you yeah. can buy it at what they're managing it at and then manage it well, uh, you can really provide some value and have some good in income. So has the vacancies gone down since you've taken over? Yeah. So we're almost, in fact, we're so full that we, there are some pads that were undeveloped and we're in the process of developing seven more RV pads. Wow. So we're a hundred percent occupied. And what then, was it when you bought it? Um, I, oh, I want to say it was like 70%. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So gross rents on that was, I think 22,000. But when they do the valuation, they're running it at the current vacancy rate, right? Totally. So that's what you're saying. If if you can come in, you're like, hey, we can get this to 90, 95, maybe even 100%. Yeah. There's going to be built-in equity in the deal. Yeah. Yeah. So we bought it and it was cash flowing about, like gross rents were about 21000 a month. Okay. And now we're over thirty. Wow. So. That just got carved out of some hard work, sweat equity right there. Yeah. And then we're going to raise rents about 50 bucks, uh, beginning of next year. And then we'll be at like 34,000. That's month. awesome. Yeah. So that was a great deal. Yeah. Which led you to do another one. Yeah. Which is how many? That one's 34 pads. 34. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. And that one closes in three weeks. You said that's in Kentucky. That's in Kentucky. And that one's actually very similar to my, uh, Vernal property where, okay. um, the reason why we liked it is because there's a new like convention center going in like just down the street from our park. And then there's also a new copper mine going in over mm. there too. 
And so the park owner said pretty much every day they get someone coming in, like a, an RV, someone with an RV who's a worker working on those projects, um, needing a place to, to park their RV. Sure. And so we're going to develop, uh, I think it's 14 or 16 lots in that park, long-term RV um, as well. So it should get up to about 50. So with RV uh, or mobile home parks, when you say pads, that one had 82 pads and you said X percent were RVs, Y was mobile homes. They are buying their own mobile homes or they're supplying that. You're just renting the space. Well, on, okay. So when you buy a mobile home park, there's park owned homes and then there's tenant owned homes. Okay. A lot of some, there's actually investors who will go and buy mobile homes, like the actual home and they'll try, they'll rent it out to people and that's their business model in our opinion is the the home's kind of a money pit and you really don't make any money off them. And so we're actually, we acquired 20 mobile homes in the Alabama one and we're converting those to tenant owned because we don't want to deal with the maintenance of the home and they're just kind of a money pit. The dirt's easier. Oh yeah. 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 So the, the name of the game is you just want to rent land to people. So So. the, the 82 is in Alabama. Yeah. So how is Alabama and Kentucky as far as landlord loss are they more landlord friendly or tenant friendly that's a good question they're more landlord friendly friendly and um typically the more like red states sure will be that way yeah yeah so like we were just looking at a park in illinois and that was one of the things that we didn't like about it's a blue it is state. it's a blue state and yeah. so they're more tenant friendly so regardless of your political affiliation if you're investing yeah. You probably want to stay in a more red state. That's our strategy. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, I guess there's probably some pros for being in a blue state as well, but. Are you worried with a mobile home park being an owner about COVID or a downturn in the economy or anything like that? So one of the things about a mobile home is it's like bottom of the totem pole, right? It's like there's. It's the cheapest housing there is. It's affordable housing yeah. and it's the cheapest. I mean, literally, if you were to go down from a mobile home, you'd be home, probably homeless. Yeah. You know? And so that's why we like it is in a downturn, they actually even get better because people go from an apartment to a mobile home. So you're just saying maybe more of the middle class has to go there. So there's just a spot for somebody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what What's in the future? Doing more mobile home parks or what? Condos, yeah. townhomes, single family? Um, kind of all of the above, honestly, I, I I'm kind of like you that way where I want to, um, invest in Utah. I'm really high on Utah and I want to own property here. That's a, that I want to capture the appreciation of what's going on here. And then, um, I'm going to invest out of state with the mobile home parks as yeah. well and try to get some cash flow. So I, maybe somebody might be thinking, man, Dave has a hundred K of passive income. Why doesn't he retire? <laughs> what would you say? Well, with appreciation going the way that it's going, I, I just, I wouldn't feel super comfortable trying to like retire on hundred K. hundred K. Yeah. My, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but my personal goal is to get to about 50 K a month in passive. Cool. And I think once I got there, I would take a really hard look at my life and kind of what I would want it to be. And sure. maybe, maybe keep going yeah. or I've always wanted to start a business. So maybe start a business or I don't know. find my passion. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I can say this starting business is definitely the opposite of retiring (laughs) (laughs) as far as like a time perspective, right? With family and stuff like that. But, um, so 600 K once you hit that 600 K you're going to reevaluate the situation. Yeah. At least, yeah. Take a hard look at, you know, what I want my life to look like type thing. Cool. I mean, I, I feel like I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I like edge do I see myself being a real estate agent at Edge Homes for my life? Probably not. Yeah. But it's, I love it here and the culture's great and, you know, so far so good. And uh, I, I think we spoke about this, but the VP of sales is in my neighborhood. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Kyle's a cool dude. Way cool guy. Really good guy. So I actually live in an Edge Home and uh, Kyle's the one that helped us get set up. So yeah. Yeah, no edge well. So, okay, a couple other questions here. Are you doing any stocks? Like outside of real estate, do you have other investments? So I worked at DR Horton before I got to Edge Homes. Okay. 
Yeah, for about three years, and they had I was W two there, and they had like a like a retirement plan. So four hundred one k. Yeah, or something. I think I have like like forty fifty grand in there. I don't okay. I honestly haven't even looked at it, but but if you give that thirty years, yeah, that's probably going to be something. Yeah, totally. Cool. What about uh, any crypto? No crypto. Okay. Do you want to get into crypto? You know, I I take the approach that I only invest in what I understand. Sure. And I just do not understand crypto. And I'm I'm kind of like a, uh, I like to have control over, over things. Yeah. And so, you know, real estate I, is something to where I feel like if I buy something and I manage it correctly, I have complete control over yeah. the outcome. And I just crypto, I just don't know enough about it, and yeah, don't have control, and so I just don't really touch it. So if we look. So I know you haven't quite closed on this mobile home, but it's in three weeks. So if we look over your your two mobile home parks and then the 20 doors, what mistakes have you made that you could give as advice to anybody else that's getting into real estate or they're, they've been doing it for a couple of years? Yeah. Um, I haven't, honestly, haven't owned them very long, but um, I would say I've passed up on some deals that were good deals. And it, that's going back to our earlier conversation where you look at the, the day one cash flow and you're like, oh, that doesn't, you know, it, it's like if it's like a six cap or a seven cap. Yeah. And then you see the house, what it's worth a year later or something. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is when I first got into um, new homes, people were buying up these townhomes like crazy. And I had a friend who I sold six townhomes to. And this is over the past like five, six years. And he has over a million dollars equity in his townhomes right now, in six townhomes. Wow. And of I, equity, not of equity. what they're worth, but of equity. Like he could literally sell all six of those townhomes and cash out a million dollars. Insane. When, what year did he get all these? Uh, he, I want to say he started in like 2017. Dang. From yeah. the non-sexy stuff, right? Yeah. And he and I were talking on the phone about a year and a half ago, and he was like looking at it. No, this is like a year ago. And we were just talking about it and he's like, holy cow, like I, you know, he just was surprised. <laughs> and that's what kind of really lit a fire under me because I had been selling all these. Yeah. It was right in front of your face yes. on a daily basis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's like, I'm in it all day, every day. And I was like, why am I not buying these? Yeah. Thing. So. But psychologically, we're not wired to think about long-term 20, 30 years. It's the same in solar with yeah. what we do. People don't get solar because they don't think about power in 20, 30 years. They just think right now, right? Right. And the more people can think long-term, usually the better off financially they are. But it's like uh, there's been a lot of these experiments in psychology where, you know, you'll ask somebody, do you want a dollar now or a hundred dollars in a week or a month? Everybody mm -hmm. usually takes it now. Yeah. And so it's just so interesting, fascinating to understand how the brain works, because if you can know that and understand what's happening, yeah. then you can counter it and, and get ahead of it. So totally interesting. Okay. Anything that's went really well that you feel like has made you successful? Um, I think, I think I, I try to do a decent job of managing them. Okay. I, I think the money's in the management. So you're not using a property manager. I am, but you, on most of them, I am. Okay. Um, on my mobile home and on my 16 plex, I am everything else I'm managing. Yeah. But the money is in the management. So like, I think people get a little bit complacent where they don't raise rents like they should be doing. You, you should raise rents with inflation. For sure. And so, um, and the other thing is just being on top of everything. Um, but yeah, the money in real estate is in the management because it's like going back to, um, you know, that Vernal property, it was 5,500 in rent every month. And there was like uh 40% vacancy. And in like three months, I got it to a hundred percent and it was not that hard, you know, and that improved the value of that property. Like I bought it for 1.1 million. I could probably, you know, it's probably worth 1.5, 1.6 now wow. just by filling vacancy. That was super easy to fill, yeah. you know? That's crazy. Do you have, like, as you've been on this journey, because you've really done probably like a four to six year journey in nine months. Yeah. Which is crazy. And that's what's so cool about it is that a lot of our people can look at this and be like, dang, I can do this too, hopefully, um, is assuming you have the cash, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have any books or podcasts or mentors or 
things that have helped you is from an education standpoint. Yeah, I, I listen to Bigger Pockets quite a bit. Yeah, I yeah. love Bigger Pockets. Yeah, yeah, I listen to that, and then just like my friends' dads, like I was talking about. It's, Those are kind of your mentors. Yeah, yeah, I've I've sat down with a few of them, and they've kind of taught me. So okay, scenario question: If you were twenty two, you're making one hundred fifty, two hundred k a year. Not a lot of expenses. Yeah. And you're just shaking your head because it's like, man, the, oh. when you're our age and you think about that scenario, it's like, dude, it's not fair. Like, you're like, you fetchers, you're making good money at that age. Like, you're you're in such a good situation, right? That's a, that's a lot of money for that. I mean, totally. I remember I was 25 years old. I had like $5 in my bank Totally. Account. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're 22 and you're making 150, 200 a year, you're way, way ahead. So ahead. I'm so jealous, honestly. And that's why I focus so much on the education. Cause I'm like, guys, if you play your cards, right, it doesn't take much at all to just be done and financially free. Yeah. So if you're in that scenario, let's say you could get approved, right. And you have, you starting to get, you know, 100, 200 K in the bank, but you know, you're going to be making 150, 200 K the next couple of years. Yeah. What's your play knowing what you know now, what are you doing? If I, if I had invested every penny that I could when I was 22 years old, I'd be done now. Like I'd be easily done, easily done. I mean, cause you could almost be done right now. Not accounting for inflation, right? Yeah. My, my plan is by 40, I'm trying to at least like kind of be like financially free, yeah. you know, do what I, do what I want to do. And I would say 600 K is more than financially free your yeah. goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and you want to be comfortable and be able to travel, whatever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty concerned. Like I, that's like way more than I would need to live off sure. of. But yeah. like, I also don't want to get to be like 70 years old and be like, oh crap, I have it's to go. Tight you again. Know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be like comfortable to where I just wouldn't have to like worry about it. But yeah, man, like. But knowing edge, knowing mobile home parks, is there a certain strategy that you would take if you were 22 and you're making good money and had cash in the bank? I would just get in something. Okay. I would buy something and in 10 years, it's going to look like a great investment. Yeah. If you buy it at market value today in 10 years, it's going to look like a really, really good investment. There's that saying, right? The best time to buy real estate was always five years ago. Yeah. It's so, like the best time to plant a tree. But it, yeah, but it's hard now. Th- like it's hard to think now and think, oh my gosh, like pricing or whatever, like townhomes are 460, but in five years they could be 750, yeah. you know, 10 years, whatever. So it's so real estate is so fascinating to me because I call it like the high school thing because you have certain people in high school that you just make judgments, whatever, that everybody does it. And they're like, whoa, that guy ended up becoming a college athlete or that guy ended up starting a business or that person went on to become a celebrity, whatever, right? Yeah. It's kind of like real estate where if you're from a certain area, you're like, townhomes are 460. Yeah. Those used to be 100K. So those are so overpriced. Like those are never going to go up. And your own limits are what hold you back in totally. your investing career. The same with people. Like you should never put limits on people. So that's really interesting to hear about that. Yeah, California. I mean, these townhomes are 1.8 million. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, yeah. What What's to say the limits at 460 in Utah? Yeah. And Utah is quickly becoming like California. Totally. So what's your, what's your why? Like what drives you to work hard and be successful? Is it just... You know, that's what makes you feel like you're being progressive. Is it your family? Is it that financial freedom? What's your why behind everything? I would say there's a few things. One is, um, I, you know, I just don't want to have to stress about money. Sure. You know, uh, well, main thing would obviously be, be my family. I want my family to, to be able to live an awesome life. But yeah, I've always, I've never been like a corporate world, nine to five job type person. Yeah. Um, I've always just wanted to live life on my terms and just live an awesome life. And so, you know, if I had it my way, I'd probably get up in the morning, play 18 holes, uh, with, you know, a family member or whatever, and then go skiing or bike mountain biking. You know, I, I just love to be outdoors. I love to just kind of do what I want to do. And I don't like the idea of clocking in at a job, Yeah, you know? And so, um, you know, eventually I hope I get to the point where I can just kind of live the life that I want to live. And I hope that at the end of my life, people, 
you know, say that I lived life to its fullest. Yeah. yeah. And you have an awesome, I mean, being an agent is cool. It's very similar actually to being a solar rep because you're your own boss. Yeah. If you want to go into work at this time, you can, or be done at this time, or if you want to hustle, you make more money. So yeah, it's kind of cool to see somebody get financial freedom without ever having to do the nine to five. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I would say you're very fortunate if that's your life, you know what I'm saying? Like Definitely. Yeah. That's what's nice about being an agent solar rep is I did the nine to five for a year before I started my software company because I wanted to learn software, right? Yeah. And then my software company was a nine to five. Yeah. And honestly, it killed my soul, <laughs> it, especially after doing direct sales for six years and being outside every day and being in new cities and working with people and inside new homes. And like yeah. every day was so different. You're out experiencing the world, going into the same 10 foot area space inside an office, not seeing the sun. And in the winter in Utah, it sucks. Like you get into work, it's dark. By the time you leave work, it's dark. Yeah. It, oh man, it just kills your soul. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, 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 I think I also like a lot of variety too. Yeah. Like variety it, is so important in my job. And I think it sounds you like in summer sales, you yeah. talk to a lot of different people and totally. it's fun to just be out talking to people, you know? Yeah. And just hear different backgrounds, different stories. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Loved hearing your story and edge is a, I think a good, awesome opportunity. I mean, I've, I've doing it. We got three homes under contract and so hopefully this helped and we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. All right. Thanks. Thanks.